You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It is the beginning of the school year, which means we're focused on learning, right? We have so much. We've talked about back-to-school meals. Now we're going to talk about digging into something pretty meaty, too, like that (laughs) transition. Very good. good. Uh, So so great theology (laughs) at the symposium here at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis. Joining us today, Dr. David Maxwell, professor of systematic theology at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis. Dr. Maxwell, welcome to The Coffee Hour. Thanks. Great to be here. Also joining us today, Dr. Joel Ilowski, Professor of Historical Theology, Dean of Advanced Studies, and Coordinator of the International Seminary Exchange Programs at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis. Dr. Ilowski, welcome back to the Coffee Hour. Yeah, thanks. Glad to be with you. Also joining us today, Erica Bennett. She is Director of Continuing Education for Concordia Seminary in St. Louis. Erica, welcome back to the Coffee Hour. Thank you. Good morning. Let's start with the some of the speakers for the upcoming symposium at Concordia Seminary taking place very soon this fall right here in St. Louis. Well, let's start with Dr. Lowski. Dr. Lowski, you'll be speaking <laughs> on the interpretations of the wedding feast at Cana. Why is this an important account in the Gospel of John to consider? Well, it's the first sign, if you will, of when Christ appears, right? And so it's uh, the church has always looked at that as he's coming on the stage and showing that he's the Messiah that's been promised, and this miracle is his way of demonstrating that. At least that's how I learned it when I was a kid. So it's it's Jesus' first miracle, and it's a, it's a good one. In fact, when I was a pastor in the parish, I always like to do Bible studies on wine so I could have people bring wine and then we could talk about it and, of course, sample wine, too. So to me, that's also a helpful aspect of this, if you will. Uh, But I can get into a little more seriousness if I should. Yeah. In terms of looking at my topic is going to be how the ancient church looked at this text. Dr. Bruce Shuckard is going to present kind of the Concordia interpretation, if you will, our exegetical department. So it's it's going to be an interesting test case, too, to, to look at two different approaches to how to interpret a text. So I'm going to present the early church's view on it, and it should be uh, some fun, I think. Can you give us any insights, any sneak previews of some of the insights that you're going to be able to share during your plenary? Well, if I do that, nobody will come, but no, no, no. <laughs> but I, I, suppose I suppose I could. I mean, it's interesting that when the fathers read a text, they read it very closely. And of course, we all think we read text closely. But, you know, you look at the text from John chapter 2, and it starts out on the third day. And I mean, they they spend quite a bit of time on that. And you think, well, of course, it's just a historical reference to it was the third day. Well, third day from what? Well, you have to go back to John chapter one and see what those other two days were about, which is a kind of a standard exegetical approach. But they, of course, see that third day and they want to talk about well, what comes to mind when you hear third day? Well, it's the resurrection of Jesus. Wait a minute, how does that come into this story? Well, that's part of what I'm going to draw some of those connections. But also when they see three, they think of the Trinity. And you're thinking, this is a very different way to read a text. So what what's going on with that, Church Fathers? Why are you doing this? And I hope to be able to unpack some of that. But, you know, what I find fascinating if I might just say one other thing about kind of the early church's view of this text is when we look at it, we concentrate on the miracle and the the fact that Jesus is able uh, to turn water into wine and that shows that he's God, right? When they look at the text, they find it fascinating that Jesus, for his first sign, chooses to go to a wedding. 
And so they spend a bunch of time talking about weddings, actually. And I'm not going to get into everything that they talk about with the weddings, but it's a different lens to look at this text. And you start getting other places in Scripture where it talks about weddings, like Ephesians chapter 5 or Genesis chapter 2, where the two shall become one flesh, or of all things, the Song of Songs. And so they've got this whole matrix of texts that they'll use to talk about the wedding of Cana in a way that perhaps a modern exegete might not think about, at least on first glance. So that's a little bit of what I'm going to be talking about. I have more things I can, of course, get to, but does that give you at least a little idea? Yeah, that's that sounds absolutely fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Maxwell, Dr. Lasky mentioned how the early church viewed this the the miracle of the the at the wedding feast at Cana and and also mentioned modern exegetes. This leads us to your plenary session taking a look at the exegetical elephant in the room, if you will, the the exegesis of the early church. How would you describe the difference between the exegetical approach of the early church and a modern approach? Yeah, thanks. Well, the, I call it the elephant in the room because the church has been reading the Bible for 2,000 years, and we haven't always read it the same way exactly that, that we read it now. And what do you do with that really long period of history when they're, in a sense, we have certain rules that we follow when we read the Bible, and they tend to break the rules. Of course, they didn't know about the rules because they were before we but... But in any case, how, what do you do with that? And so what I want to do in my presentation, just kind of do a compare and contrast. So how, how do they approach the Bible versus how do we approach the Bible? And in the most general terms, what I would say is when we approach the Bible, we focus on the original historical context. So we want to know what did the human author intend when when he wrote whatever he wrote, and then how did the original hearers understand that? Whereas in the early church, they, I mean, they were concerned about that too, but they thought the main purpose of the text was to be found not in the original historical context, but in the context of the larger story of salvation, which explains why they make moves like Dr. Olowski was talking about, where you can jump from the wedding of Cana to the Song of Songs to Ephesians to Genesis and all over the place, because they see the, the Bible as built for that, that, that God actually intends you to make these kind of connections, which is very different than the way you think about it. So it's a challenge. What are some benefits of thinking through the, these different ways of doing exegesis? What do, what do we get from, from studying these, these two different methods, especially now in our modern context? Well, I would say that one of the main benefits is in preaching, which is why we have a plenary session at the end on, on preaching, because what the early church approach allows you to do is that you approach the scriptures with a whole different set of questions or a whole different set of things that you're tending to that, that kind of encourages, uh, I would say, more creativity, which then can uh, enliven sermons and, and have sermons that are not... I mean, one problem with our sermons, it seems to me, is that very often they're, they're quite predictable. And I think that the, the creativity of the early church approach to the Bible could have ramifications for us if we're willing to consider it in that we can actually let that inform and shape our sermons as well. 
Now, these are just two of the topics that will be addressed in plenary sessions at the upcoming symposium at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis, September 20th and 21st. Erica, this is a, a longstanding tradition at Concordia Seminary, the, the annual symposium. Why has this been such a long tradition at Concordia? Gotcha. This is, I'm glad you mentioned that, Andy. This is our 32nd Theological Symposium. So we're really excited about that. It's just a great opportunity for pastors to either come back to the seminary that they went to school. It's like a big reunion, big alumni reunion. But also we do get people from pastors from all across the country from both seminaries. So it's just a great opportunity for everybody to come together and talk about these topics. We do have, you'll notice from the speaker lineup that most of all the speakers this year are Concordia Seminary St. Louis faculty, which people just really appreciate when we do that. So we've got a lot of people registered already. Can you give us a, a rundown of the schedule for the for the symposium, what's actually going to be happening during everyone's time on campus? Right. So we actually, as David and Joel highlighted the two presentations they're doing, we actually do have four plenary sessions, four main presentations. The other two will be talking from the Old Testament perspective, HS and Modern, with Dr. Timothy Seleska on our faculty and a former faculty member. You might still think teach some classes for us, but Dr. Paul Robbie, um, who's now out in Arizona. And then the last plenary for the symposium is on preaching. And that will be with Dr. Glenn Nielsen and Dr. Eric Herman on our faculty. So it, so as Joel kind of said, it's going to be fun. A nice, healthy debate back and forth between the ancient and modern methods and approaches. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, and then throughout, we will have, we always in the evening on the first night, so Tuesday, September 20th, we do have a reception, which is just a nice social time for everybody to get together. And then it's followed by our annual lecture, Dr. Jack Dean Kingsbury lecture in New Testament theology. So Jim Belt on our faculty will be doing that lecture again, and that's open to everyone. And so that's going to be Tuesday night. So this is taking place September 20th and 21st at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis. Obviously, information will be available on the csl.edu website. How do we register? What do we need to know? Because I gather registration is probably closing fairly soon. You are correct, Andy. So registration will be open through midnight on Wednesday, August 31st. So next week, we are still doing this symposium as a hybrid model. So people can register, like you said, at csl.edu. It's under resources and then the continuing education category. But in-person registration is $160, and that includes all the meals and, and refreshments. And if people want to just join us virtually, that's $120. We also, in addition to all of the in-person presentations, we will have, as we have in past years, have a whole slew of on-demand videos from other speakers across the country, all based on mostly the same topic. So that'll be a great opportunity as well. Very good. CSL.edu for the Concordia Theological Symposium taking place at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis, September 20th and 21st. Our guest today, Erica Bennett, Director of Continuing Education for Concordia Seminary in St. Louis. Erica, thank you so much for being our guest. You're welcome. Dr. David Maxwell, Professor of Systematic Theology at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And Dr. Joel Ilowski, Professor of Historical Theology and Dean of Advanced Studies and Coordinator of International Seminary Exchange Programs for Concordia Seminary in St. Louis. Thank you for being our guest. Yeah, thank you. It's always good to talk. 
You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support The Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Don't